Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and today we are talking to habit and happiness guru, Gretchen Rubin, best-selling author of Happier and Better Than Before and co-host of the wildly popular Happier podcast. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast, Gretchen. I'm so happy to be talking to you. So you have a new book out, Outer Order, Inner Calm that talks about how to declutter and organize your life in order to make more room for happiness. And you have been on tour all over the country for the last couple of months. And uh, listeners can find out more about live events that are still happening on your website at GretchenRubin.com. And unlike a lot of authors, you actually really enjoy live events. I do. Um, I need a lot of time in silence and reading and writing. Uh, you know, I go to a library that's right by my house often with my laptop. But I also love to talk to people in real life and hear what they're thinking and what they're saying and what their questions are. And so I really, I really do, um, I really do enjoy getting on the road and getting to see a bunch of people. It must be so fun to hear back from people who have put your strategies into play in their lives to hear how it changed how they live their lives. No, absolutely. And in fact, one of the reasons that I wrote Outer Order Inner Call was I've noticed over the years, you know, because I wrote The Happiness Project, which was my first kind of tackling of the subject of happiness 10 years ago. And I just noticed over and over that whenever the subject changed to anything related to order or clutter or or organizing or make your bed, anything like that, people got, there was like a special energy to it. People would sort of laugh and there was an excitement to it. And I thought, why is this? Because we can all agree that in the context of a happy life, something like a crowded clothes closet or a messy desk is not that big a deal. And yet over and over people would say, oh my gosh, when I get control of my stuff, I feel more control of my life. Um, and I feel that way myself. Like I get this completely disproportionate surge of energy and cheer when I create Outer Order. So I thought, gosh, I want to write a book and like really take some time and, and explore that. But it was something that I had noticed as I was talking to people. So that was, it was their interest and their engagement on the subject that really got me focused on thinking about it more deeply. Well, I have to say some of my favorite episodes of the Happier podcast were ones where you really uh, talked about ways to get different aspects of your life organized, like your personal paperwork and, and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, as much as I have enjoyed reading Outer Order, Inner Calm, I'm actually hoping that we can spend a little bit of time today talking about some of your previous work on habit change. Yes, I love talking about habit change. And I have to tell you, your books, Better Than Before and The Four Tendencies, have 
completely changed the vocabulary that we use to talk about habit change. I coach a couple of groups on various aspects of health and nutrition. And so much of that comes down to changing our habits, right? Our eating habits, our exercise habits. And it's gotten to the point that when someone posts in our group, they will often preface their comment or their story by saying, okay, I'm an obliger or I'm a rebel and and therefore... Well, the fact is it really matters. It really makes a big difference in how you would set things up to help someone succeed if you know their tendency. It's like, take that into account and they're just going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot easier for them to um, do whatever it is they're trying to do. Okay, Gretchen, for that one person listening who might not already be familiar with these terms, could you just quickly run us through these four tendencies that you've identified Yes. So the four tendencies are upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. And what this is looking at is how you respond to expectations, which sounds boring, but it gets very juicy. So stay with us. Um, There is a quiz. If you want to take a quiz, it's like 2 million people have taken this. It's quick, it's free, and it will kind of give you an answer and give you a report. Um, And that's at quiz.gretchenrubin.com if you want to take the quiz. But a lot of times people don't need the quiz. They can just tell from a description, which I will, a very quick description that I'll give. Um, So a poll, so we all face two kinds of expectations, outer expectations, which are a request from a friend, a work deadline. And then there, we have inner expectations, my own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, my own desire to quit sugar. So depending on how you respond to outer and inner expectations and combinations, that's what makes you an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what others expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Um, Their motto is, uh, discipline is my freedom. (laughs) Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So if something, they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they'll do it no problem. If it fails their inner standard, they will push back. They resist anything arbitrary, inefficient, unjustified. Uh, Their motto is, I'll comply if you convince me why. Well, I've got to fess up. I'm I'm a questioner. (laughs) You're a questioner. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that. That obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And I got my first insight into this tendency when a friend said, the weird thing about me is I know I'm happier when I exercise. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Well, when she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up, no problem. When she's trying to go on her own, it's a struggle. And then their motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. <laughs> because the way obligers meet inner expectations is by creating outer accountability. That's what works for obligers. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do, anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically they don't tell themselves what to do. Like they don't sign up for a 10 a.m. Saturday spin class because they don't know what they're going to want to do on Saturday. And just the idea that somebody's expecting them to show up is annoying to them. Um, And their motto is, you can't make me and neither can I. (laughs) Um, So those are the parts. So you're a questioner. I'm an upholder. Um, and the biggest tendency is obliger. Both for both men and women, the biggest tendency is obliger and the smallest tendency is rebel. 
And the rebels are often the hardest to coach, I'll, I'll say. Now, the, when I first read the, your book, Gretchen, and I came across these four tendencies, it, it seemed to me like the best type for success in changing our habits would be the upholder, the people that simply do what they're supposed to do. They don't need an accountability buddy. They don't need 35 scientific references. And then on the other hand, maybe the worst thing to be would be a rebel because whatever you're supposed to do, you're inclined not to do it simply because you're supposed to. But is that really the case? Are upholders inherently more successful at changing their habits or do each of the types have strengths and weaknesses? Well, absolutely. Each one has strengths and weaknesses and they can all get there. They can all achieve the same if, as long as they take their tendency into account. Like for obligers, accountability is crucial. It's, it's, it, it must be that they have to have outer accountability for inner expectations. Whereas for rebels, that can be counter productive because they don't want somebody looking over their shoulders. So that could actually make things worse. So they would be very, it would be very different in how you would set something up, but I think they can all get there. That said, I do think for upholders, that is the kind of thing that comes naturally to them. And they, and part of it is like anybody who creates anything, any curriculum, any app, anything that you do, any system that you do is going to work on some people because anything works on upholders because they're just like, oh, I want to start getting up at 6am. That's easy for them. Um, and so, uh, so I do think that, that that is something that comes naturally. However, upholders, every strength has its weakness. And one of the things that upholders can experience, and maybe you've seen this, is they can have tightening. And this is when the rules get tighter and tighter on upholders. And upholders have to be very wary of this because they, it's very easy for us upholders to become kind of the mindless bureaucrats of our own paperwork and to feel kind of like so committed to a discipline that we can't step away from it or it's painful to step away from it um, even when it kind of makes sense. This is why upholders often seem rigid to other tendencies. We don't feel rigid. We feel like this is freedom. Discipline is my freedom. That I cannot tell you how true that feels to me. But some, like I had a friend who his girlfriend was trying to get him to use a budgeting app. And he's like, I can't use that because I know I would get so focused on tracking every single penny that I spend that it would just take up too much bandwidth. Like, I don't want to do something like that because I know it would just like take me to a place I don't want to go. And that's recognizing tightening. So that's a place with habits where upholders kind of have a special um, challenge that maybe other tendencies don't face as often. Mm. Now, Gretchen, as I say, we've spent a lot of time in my nutrition and lifestyle coaching programs talking about your four tendencies and we have some questions. So yes. You talk a lot about matching your strategies and your tactics to your tendency type. Yeah. But how immutable are these personality types? Is it possible to become more of an upholder over time or can obligers learn to show up for themselves? Well, this gets you to the question of like, do you think people can fundamentally change their, their kind of hardwired natures? My view is probably not. <laughs> and if so, it would be very, very, very difficult. And kind of implicit in that question is an idea that obligers should not be obligers and they should sort of evolve into upholders. And I just reject that premise. All of the tendencies include people who are wildly successful and also big losers. They all have strengths and weaknesses. And so to me, it's not like you need to change yourself. You don't, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, like obliger is the biggest tendency. It's like, you're in excellent company. Um, it's just like, but what you want to do is you want to get where you're trying to go. Let's figure out how to get you where you're trying to go. You don't need to change your inborn nature. That's hard if maybe impossible, but we can get you out of accountability and you will get there in a flash. You want to read more? Join a book group. 
that's done. Like, why do we have to, we, you know, it's like, if you want to work out more, work out with a trainer, pay for a class, take your dog for a run. Cause your dog is going to tear up the furniture. If she doesn't get her exercise, go with a friend who's going to be annoyed if you don't show up. Think of your duty to be a role model for other people. Think of your duty to your future self. There's a million ways to create outer accountability once you realize that's what you need. And, and like, why, why not have outer accountability? Sometimes obligers think it seems kind of weak. Like, who cares? There's nothing wrong with you. Like, just build it in. And then and a lot of obligers don't even realize how, how successfully they build in all kinds of outer accountability. They're not even aware of it because it's just so seamlessly integrated into their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't think that one is better than the other. I don't think that we need to change. And I think basically, except for very exceptional circumstances, I think people fit very squarely within one tendency. And that is part of their inborn nature. It's not, it, it doesn't change over time. They're not one at work and one at home. It doesn't depend on birth order or generation or, or anything like that. Um, now, each tendency overlaps with two tendencies. So like you're a questioner. Well, questioners overlap with upholders because they both readily meet inner expectations. And questioners also overlap with rebel because they both resist outer expectations. So some questioners are like my husband and he tips more to upholder. But some questioners are like Steve Jobs and they're questioners who tip to rebel. And so there are shadings within the tendencies, like not all people who are in the same tendency kind of look alike. And it also depends on your values and your interests. Like there's a lot of things that make us who we are. A rebel who is a very considerate person and very ambitious is going to look very different from a rebel who doesn't care very much about other people and doesn't care about work. Mm -hmm. They're going to look very different. But if you said, um, do this, they would say, you can't make me. Because that's what it is to be a rebel. Even though they would kind of present very differently, they would still have that same rebel rebel strain in them. Hmm. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide, and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Well, that's interesting that you talk about the, um, the, the two tendencies that are shoulder tendencies to your own, because uh, I've certainly noticed that I seem to have slightly different tendencies in different contexts. Like I'm sort of an obliger in a social situation. I'm definitely an upholder in my professional situations. And, you know, maybe more of a questioner in my private life or, or whatever. Well, can I just um, interject and say that's a very questioner thing to say? <laughs> Anytime somebody says, I'm, a lo- I'm all of these things, it's questioner. Because they're like, when it makes sense, I act this way. When you're like in a social situation where I want to show consideration for other people, I act like an obliger because that's what makes sense in that situation. 
that's very questioner because you're like, I'm going to behave that way because that's what makes sense in that context. So <laughs> even articulating that thought is very questioner. Well, obviously I've, I've come up with <laughs> myself correctly. Tag yourself. Yes. Well done. So listen, another paradigm that you discuss in Better Than Before is that some people tend to be moderators and some people tend to be abstainers. And yes. I, I think I've heard you talk a lot about the fact that you're sort of an abstainer. It's easier for you to have a zero policy than to enjoy just a little bit of something and then stop. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yes. Yeah. And is that another thing that um, you're either one or the other, or can people uh, have some indulgences that they are able to be moderate about and others where they have to be more of an abstainer? Or Well, the abstainer-moderator distinction really applies to strong temptation. So we can all be moderate with things that don't tempt us that much. So like I'm a moderator when it comes to wine. Because I don't really care about wine. I can have half a glass of wine. I can have three sips of wine and leave the rest in the glass because I don't really care about wine. Whereas a friend of mine is like, I can have no wine or I can have four glasses of wine. Like there's no one glass of wine for me. So this is about how you deal with a strong temptation. So given that, because other than that, we're all, probably we're all a mix. So then you look at what is your strong temptation. So for me, it's sweets. For other people, it might be chips or, you know, my sister's kryptonite was French fries or, you know, or pizza, whatever it might be for you. Or, or wine. Um, people have a lot of strong temptations. Yeah, so for abstainers, it's just easier to have none. And this is hard for people to accept because it sounds harder. It sounds more demanding. It sounds like it would take more self-control. But the fact is, if you are an abstainer, it's actually easier. And I always say to people, if moderation is not working for you, if you just can't have one cookie, if you can't have half a dish of ice cream, if you can't have one square of fine chocolate, try having none because you might find that it's much easier. And over and over, people are like, light bulb, I just never occurred to me that it would be easier to have none than to have a little bit. And like, I used to just have be so have to constantly fight temptation because, oh, my daughter made cookies or, oh, I'm in a store and they're giving away bite-sized Snickers for free in a bowl or, you know, one thing after another. And now I'm like, it doesn't bother me at all. I could sit by a plate of freshly baked brownies for three hours and it wouldn't even cross my mind because I don't eat sugar. So I just abstain from sugar and that just like, that totally frees my mind and I love it. Now there are moderators and they get kind of panicky and rebellious if they're told they can never have something. So they do better when they have a little bit or they have it sometimes. They're gonna have a few French fries. They're gonna have one square of fine chocolate every day or two. And that kind of satisfies them. And but if they have none, then they feel then that makes them feel bad. And so I think a lot of times people say things like, Well, you should learn to be moderate. You should have follow the 80-20 rule. It's not healthy to demonize certain food. And I'm like, who says? Because that sounds like you're a moderator and that works for moderators. But for an abstainer like me, it's just easier. Like I, I just do better. I feel better um, when I give things up um, all together. It's just, that's what's easier. The, for the things that you're very strongly tempted by. Yes. And sometimes people say, well, I want to be an abstainer, but like, I just don't eat sugar really ever. I mean, I'll have like a bite if it's like a new flavor of ice cream or something that I'm curious about, but I basically don't eat it. Like I don't have cake on my birthday. I don't, I don't have sweet potatoes on Thanksgiving. Like I, cause for me, I just sort of enjoy it. It's kind of a hobby for me. I have to say, I like, I like being very hardcore about it, but most people don't want to be that. And they say to me, well, how can I be an abstainer? And yet I do want to have cake on my birthday and I do want to have pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. Like, what do I do? Um, how can I hold on to the abstaining, but then also from time to time have these pleasures in my life? So the thing to remember is you're the grown up. 
You can do what you want. You make the rules for yourself. And what works really well from standards is planned exceptions. Mm-hmm. Because what is disturbing to us is when we don't keep our promises to ourselves. When we say, I'm going to be, I'm going to eat really, really healthfully. And then you get to the restaurant and you're like, oh my gosh, they're having a special on my favorite dessert, tiramisu. Life's too short. I have to live a little. I, you know, how, how can you not? Blah, 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 blah. I've been so good. I'm going to be so good starting tomorrow with a day like I've had. I deserve it. You know, there's a million loopholes. That's a bad feeling because I've broken my promise to myself. But what you can't say is like, my birthday is coming up next week and we are going to my favorite restaurant and I am having a piece of cake and it is the, it's the best tiramisu I've ever had in my life. I cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to it. Then it, the day comes and then I have it and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm having exactly what I wanted. And then a week later, I look back at it and I'm like, that was so great. That was a lovely way to celebrate my birthday or Thanksgiving or, the, or, or you know, Christmas dinner or whatever it is. I planned for it. I enjoyed it in the moment. I look back on it with satisfaction because I followed, I kept my promise to myself. This is not the same thing as like, oh, I'm off the hook for the holidays, which go from the week before Thanksgiving until the second week of January. You know, this is like Christmas dinner. Um, my father, so I, I'm basically a very, very low carb person. And my father, after I switched, he, he switched too. And his exception is very funny. He has the grandchild exception which is if there's a grandchild on the premises, <laughs> he will go get the frozen custard. He will eat the chocolate chip cookies that we baked. He will make his special Swedish pancakes and he enjoys them. But this is also a planned limited exception. He's not with his grandchildren all that often. And even with a grandchild, like how, how many sweets are you going to let your grandchild eat? You're not like getting, they're not going to have it morning, noon, and night, you know? And so it's a way for him to enter into the spirit of the moment in a way that's very appropriate but most of the time, what we do most days matters more than what we do once in a while. Most days, there's not a grandchild. Most days, he doesn't eat these things. But then when there's a grandchild there, that's the exception. And so there are ways to have exceptions if you want them, because most abstainers don't want to abstain 100%, but from, for on a day-to-day, it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gretchen, before we wrap up, over the years, you've given us a lot of great advice on how to make our lives work better. Everything from building better health habits to getting and staying more organized. So I'm kind of curious, is there any piece of your own advice that you still struggle to implement or a problem you have yet to solve? I mean, I know you're still on tour for this book, but I'm kind of wondering if you can already see in the future the topic of your next book. Well, that's interesting because I feel like one of the things about me is that I'm very absent-minded. I kind of walk around in a fog. I feel like in part of my mind, I'm always reading Little Women in Bed. You know what I mean? Like I feel kind of checked out in a way. And one of the things I really want to do is to be more present in the moment. Like I want to experience now in a, in a more vivid way. And I'm thinking that I will write a book about the senses um, because for me, it's very helpful to think, like I went through this whole obsession with color and wrote this strange little book, My Color Pilgrimage, which I need to figure out what to do with. Um, I went through this huge period, which I'm still like fascinated by the sense of smell. Like I love the sense of smell. I love perfume. I love smells. Um, that really helps me to connect to re- kind of reality is through the body and through the senses. And I really want to go deeper into that. So it, yeah, they say that research is me search and that is definitely my way. So I, I write the book that gives me, but better than before, I was like, how do I change a habit? Or I was trying to help my mother change a habit. I was like, how do you do it? I'm like, I couldn't find that book. So I'll write that book. Here's better than before, all about habit change. So yeah, I think this book about the senses is going to be to try to help me wake up to the, the kind of the richness of the present moment. 
Okay, guys, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining me and giving us some more insight into your work on habit change, answering some of our burning questions and helping us live a better life. Your new book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, uh, is in stores right now and you are still touring for that. The podcast is Happier. And uh, more info about all of those things and all things Gretchen is available at GretchenRubin.com. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. It was great to get the chance to talk to you. I enjoyed it too, Gretchen. Thanks and enjoy the rest of your book tour. Thank you. We've got links to that in our show notes for today, which are at quickanddirtytips.com, where you can also access the entire archive of 527 episodes. If you have a nutrition question for me, why not call the Nutrition Diva listener line at 443-961-6206 and leave me a message. Or you can connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at Nutrition Diva. The Nutrition Diva Show is produced by Nathan Sems, edited by Karen Hertzberg, and supported by our wonderful team at Macmillan Publishing, Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday, and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.